Hey guys, Eric from Working Dog Radio. I want to talk to you about one of my favorites, and that is Dogtra. I've been using Dogtra collars for a long time, way before they became a sponsor of the podcast. The Police Canine Association, we've been using them, and that's all we use. Uh, we've been vendors for a while now, but we've been users of Dogtra collars way before we became vendors. At my kennel, I have a drawer full of them. I have the 1900S e collars, and I got a bunch of 600 bark collars. I like it nice and quiet. My kennel and those bark collars work perfectly. But Dogtra is not just sitting back doing nothing. They're out there uh, innovative designs, coming up with new stuff. And in May, they launched three new products. All right. They uh, sent them to Ted and I, and we get to test them. I cannot wait. This is the coolest part of my job here. Now I want to talk to you about the one that I'm going to try, and that's the Pathfinder. It's a GPS tracking and training collar where no cellular is required. There's free detailed satellite and terrain views from Google Maps, along with an offline maps mode. Easy location sharing for dogs and dog owners. History playback on your smartphone and computer. And custom alerts for dog actions using pop-ups, sound, and vibration. I have two brand new dogs in my kennel. I just Started introducing them, tracking a couple days ago, and I can't wait to get them out and get longer and try these things out. Bird dog guys, trial dog guys, these things are perfect for you guys. Um, check them out, man. They're not waiting on us. They got them out there because they are proven with their stuff. Give them a call, 888-811-9111. Dogtra. We all know the importance of having a good decoy for maintaining patrol and sport dogs. That's why I want to talk to you about Clint Morton, the North Texas Working Decoy, which is where you can find him on Facebook. Clint is an APPDA and NADF certified decoy, and he works in USPCA and trains in PSA as well. Clint's excellent at problem solving for patrol and sport dogs. Hit him up at camo, C-A-M-O, at E-C-T-I-S-P dot net, or hit him up on Facebook, North Texas Working Decoy. Yeah, I'm a crazy motherfucker walking up your street Craziest fucker that you ever see Yeah, I'm a crazy motherfucker walking up your street Welcome to Working Dog Radio <laughs> Broadcasting the Bite all right, we're back. We're doing the last episode of the Ladies of Canine here on Working Dog Radio. I'm Ted Summers from Torchlight Canine and Working Dog Dragons, and of course, Working Dog Radio. And with me, as always, is Eric Stamber. Eric, what's up? Uh, I'm doing this interview from my phone, driving. Like, I, I feel I live in this van. Um, and there are times I get sick of it. But I, I'm telling you right now, dude, I am, I am getting every minute out of every day. I'm squeezing every minute out of every day. Uh, a lot of people saw online that I, I added, uh, expanded my Pan S canine business into the pet side. Yeah, dude, I saw that. Uh, yeah, so getting got a new building, kind of getting that going. But I still have police dogs to train. And so I get off work at 3 o'clock, and then I go to my new building, get the police dogs, work them for a little while. And now I'm headed home to, I don't know what I'm going to do, probably more dogs I, it's <laughs> coming uh, it's, out of my uh, ears but anyways it's uh been busy 
Yeah, it's uh, we we got a, we picked up a new dog on Friday uh, from Europe and uh, a stripy dog, and he's kind of cool. Um, he came in with an awful name though, and uh, one I'm not even going to repeat. And I was when we got him, I was like, "There's no way in hell I'm calling this dog that." And um, so his name is Diesel, which is even worse. But the one that he came in, I was like, "We can't. There's no way." So dual purpose dogs gonna be super nice. Um, I don't know where he's gonna end up, but he's we got a, he showed up and we're gonna train him. I also got a dog from a county sheriff's office here that's a retread that uh, is kind of an asshole and um i've had him for about two weeks and every time you get near the freaking run he just explodes right so he's like uber defensive in the kennel and i was like fuck this guy's gonna bite me man and so i got you know our heads together and i was like oh here's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna put a ball on a rope and i'm gonna do what you did with that dog that wouldn't out the one that tore you up i was like fuck it except i'm gonna go the other direction so if he's got something in his mouth like a pacifier he won't bite me which I was like, I was kind of 50-50 on. I was like, well, shit, we're either going to have to do it or not. So I, <laughs> I stuck the ball in the kennel with a big old rope on it, and then I just opened the door and let him out, and he came out and played tug and let me hook him up the line, and then he was great and no problem. I broke him off a bite, choked him off, you know, was whacking him, lifting him up by his collar, and he was fine. Then he bit my hand, um, which, yeah. well, you can't – you don't stick your hand in their mouth. They won't bite you. That was my fault. But so anyway – uh, he's going to be a nice dog, uh, super cool, big-ass Malinois. So he's uh, – I'm not sure where he's going to end up either. Anyway, that's what we've been doing. We've got uh, a sheriff's office showing up from Arkansas on Monday for – they're getting a new dog, and we're kind of doing some maintenance training and some uh, what I just call brush-ups, I guess, or whatever for those cats uh, starting all next week. So should be good. It's hot as shit in Tulsa right now. I think the heat index is like 121. Uh, yeah, it's pretty rough. I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I had the suit on on Tuesday night. And I was like, I'm going to die. We installed a new air conditioner in the office. And uh, it's one of those ones, the duckless ones that hang on the uh, on the wall. And it's like mm-hmm. a fucking meat locker in there. And that thing's great. Nice. I'll tell you a quick little heat story. So last night I get a phone call. I'm getting ready to go to bed. And I get a phone call from one of my handlers. And um, he's off work. And, you know, it's being the 4th of July, we're, we're recording this on the 5th. On the 4th of July, he went to a picnic or something like that, and he comes back home. He lives out on a farm. He comes back home, and and the dog is sitting uh, next to the cruiser in his yard. And uh, he has a big, you know, kennel that's bolted into a building and all kinds of stuff. And he's like, well, what are you doing here? And he goes and looks, and the, the kennel is separated from the building like three feet. And so this dog, God only knows, spent hours, and it was 90 degrees yesterday, hours getting out of this kennel and forcing his way out. We thought maybe he went and got hit by a car because he couldn't walk. Um, So they call me, and I go, it's about 30, 35 minutes to the emergency vet for me. So I go racing up there, and um, in the end, it turned out to be heat. He got... uh, he was in there. He just they just picked him up like twenty minutes ago. He was on IVs and all kinds of stuff. He's fine. They thought maybe he did something to his spine and everything. It's just probably an hour or two of of bull rushing. He's ninety seven pounds. He's a giant Malinois. It's that Vlad dog. You've you've met him before. Um, oh yeah, that one. Yeah. We thought we Team thought he got hit by a car. Right. Yeah. We thought something like this is it, man. The, the dog's done. They 
taking x-rays they're like you're gonna check a spinal cord and all this other t- and it was heat as it turns out so Damn. and that's kind of a yep. you know an important deal like this time of year anyway since these are playing in july um check on your dogs if you don't have a fucking hot popper get one and check <laughs> like one of the guys who just came through has an old crown vic that's got like two hundred thousand miles on it and i was like dude <laughs> you, yeah. you need to make you need to tell sheriff like you need to get that shit checked out like make sure the air conditioner is working money. yeah make sure i was like at the very least make sure the hot popper works have it tested you know you know turn the air conditioner off you know in the car let it run make sure the damn thing works and we did while he was the through was coming through my handler school and it does, and I was like, all right, because, you know, that car is so old that, I mean, it, I don't have anything funny to say. It's just old. Right. And it's, I don't old. Know, it's like 200,000 miles. I'm like, bro, that thing is is on its last leg. So you're supposed to be getting to know it anyway. Yeah, it's hot. Check on your dogs. Speaking of hot, we have somebody from a hot area of Texas right now. Yes, we do. Tonight, or this afternoon, or whatever time it is, uh, we have Kristen Nuland from Houston PD Canine. Kristen, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you guys? Awesome. I'm sure you heard it's hot. It sounds like it's been raining down there, though, huh? <laughs> yes, it's been 4th of July. Pretty much got rained out for us. Pretty bad storms all day long. And then fireworks right after that. So it oh. was pretty pretty eventful. Uh, we're <laughs> talking about heat. You're yawning over there like you guys don't know shit about heat. <laughs> yeah, yeah Houston. <laughs> Houston is one of the stickiest places I've ever been except for New Orleans. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty, very sticky, very yeah. nice. You know, there's no reason to shower. Just go out and get soaking wet. So Yeah, for sure. So uh, you're with Houston PD Canine. Um, how long? So let's just start a little bit, just kind of go through your background, how you got into canine, how you got into doing police work, and uh, we'll kind of go from there. Okay. Um, I've been doing police work for about 24 years now. Um, I was a patrol officer for about six years. Uh, worked night shift and got into a lot of vehicle chases and foot chases and got to know my canine officers very well and became very interested in the dog world. And so uh, they actually had positions come open over there, which is very rare in our patrol canine details. Uh, The seniority over there, the lowest seniority at that time, had about 19 years on. So um, I interviewed, ended up getting one of the positions in about 2000, end of 2002, beginning of 2003, and uh, went over there as the first female uh, to go into the patrol unit. They had never had a girl uh, handling a dog. So went over there, got to uh, travel with my guys to go pick out my dog, and uh, they ended up picking probably the biggest dog, biggest German Shepherd they could find in the kennel, and ended up getting him and coming back to Houston and started off doing him for about five months of training before we hit the street. I worked him for probably close to eight years. Um, wow. Numerous captures, numerous apprehensions. Um, I became part of the training staff after being over there for about five years. Um, and here in Houston, we do a lot of single purpose dogs. Um, at that time we were starting to go into some of the dual purpose dogs so we started dual purpose and some of the patrol dogs in narcotics and the narcotic side from our patrol side. So um, I got tasked with low seniority to do that uh-huh. and, uh, <laughs> and um, actually worked out in my benefit. I got to know them, my narcotics trainers, uh, handlers pretty well and 
uh, love doing that. And so when that position opened, um, which is very, also very rare, usually to do a narcotics dog in our department, you usually have to be in the narcotics division, be a case agent for a certain amount of time. But um, they actually go went citywide, and I was able to get over here and go right into a training position, and been doing it ever since over here. With the right now, I have a single purpose male, female male, so I work her, and uh, she's probably fixing to come up for retirement here pretty soon. So, uh, so I'm waiting to see if there's going to be another dog in my future. So when they went and picked that gigantic German Shepherd for you, was that on purpose? You can be honest. <laughs> In my opinion, I think it was, um, you know, I, I think they got a big kind of big laugh out of it. Uh, but you know, the big joke was I, I stand about five, two. And when the dog stood on his hind legs, the dog powered over me. So, uh, when we got back from picking the dog out and showed the uh, rest of the detail, my dog, there was a lot of comments being made of, uh, what did you guys do? Pick the biggest dog in the kennel and. So I I knew I had some testing going on and uh, I was willing to step up to the plate and see what I could do. And you're still there. Uh, And I'm still here (laughs) and enjoying every moment. So now you working the dog. um, So how does it work? Like you're a couple days a week doing the training side or is it uh, part of every day or how's (laughs) it? It's kind of part of every day. It's kind of hit and miss for me right now. I just actually started a uh, a green handler and a green dog. So um, that would be basically me training every day for the next probably six weeks. And uh, um, how we kind of work here, we're mostly uh, plain clothes and unmarked cars. So um, a lot of our call outs come from phone calls from our control center. So um a lot of uh, guys I know, a lot of the case agents will call me directly on some stuff. So if I can free myself up, if I'm available for overtime or something, I go out. I still enjoy working my dog. So uh, so I go out there when I'm available. And if not, I'm usually doing some sort of training, either, like I said, with this new guy or pulling one of my guys off the street. But we do – I do training every week. I do a group training every week um, that consists of – in my unit, there's 15 of us. But I train a lot of outside agencies, so I can have up to be like 25 to 30 guys show up to my group training a week. So. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Uh, <laughs> I don't have that many. I get about um, 15 to 18 or 20, you know, on a, on a Wednesday. It can be, uh, it can be um, a little challenging. I, I tell everybody large group training is there's definitely a knack to it. Like you have to get a system down. So that everybody, I don't know about you, I always feel like I want to make sure everybody got their money's worth, even though it was free, you know, when they leave and that there wasn't yeah. well, too and much. That's how I, around. Yeah, I have most of my training is all set up with different objectives. So there's always an objective to what we're doing and everyone's explained the objective when they start. And um, I like to have those guys that kind of like to play around and be like, well, I don't want to run first, so I'm going to run fifth every time. So I started changing that up a few years ago where I dictate who's going to run first and basically who's going to run last. And they can, they can kind of interplay in the middle, but, uh, but I make sure all my dogs at one time or another are going first and running a clean scenario before running behind other dogs. So, so I like, yeah. I kind of like to dictate that. They, they think that you're not paying attention. 
<laughs> especially in a class or, you know, they think you, you, that you don't notice who's always first and who's always last. Yeah. Well, like I said, I'm in the parking lot and I'll have like three or four guys that show up first, usually on a regular basis. And, but they were never running first. And I'm like, well, what are you guys doing? Well, you show up first, but you're not running first. So, so then I start, okay, from now on, I'll dictate who runs first. And unless they have some kind of conflict, you know, something to do with the squad or something to run, then they have to come run first. And you basically have to stick around and have to watch everybody else run for a certain amount of time and, and do that to get your, your training credit. So usually I usually start training about, um, depending if I'm picking up dope or my assistant's picking up dope, we pick up dope about five in the morning. We're usually set up by seven thirty, and we probably pick up about three o'clock in the afternoon. So it, it makes for a pretty long day. Oh yeah. What, what percentage would you say hides are you doing on a regular maintenance training day that are unknown to the handler? I do all unknowns. Most of mine are all unknowns unless I'm having a handler that's, that's having a problem or a beginner that's trying to learn something. I, I believe in doing mostly unknowns. So I do have people that come in requesting to do known finds. And my thing is I don't have a problem. When I let guys do known finds, it seems like they're going to bypass the, you know, two clean rooms that have nothing and go straight to the fine. And to me that they're not learning much. So right. Unless I have a good reason to put someone on on known finds, I I make them do unknowns. Do you guys uh, vary the amount that you're setting out to? Oh yeah, we have it probably in our stuff. We have about a hundred, a hundred to a hundred and forty different articles of dope. So we range from you know small amounts up to you know poundage and kilos and stuff like that. So so we do switch it up and. Uh, have all different amounts so different amounts different times running we do you know some i i make most of my guys stay on leash because 90 percent of our work is done on leash so um i used to have guys come in with their expandable leashes or just cut their dog off leash and stand there and that was very aggravating to me so i uh i got with some people and made sure that hey you're now on your leash and lest i tell you this is an off-leash exercise and then I got to tell them, even though you're off leash, you're still a handler and you still need to do stuff with your dog and not just stand in the middle of the room and look around. So, so I have different objectives. We do, we do do a lot of stuff off leash, especially in the cooler months in Houston when we can get some wind stuff. We do a lot of field work and, and stuff like that and try to make things a little different and a little bit, a little fun so everybody can relax and be outside for a while. I know I asked you this before when we had a conversation about um, if I asked. So right now, I just did it again today, as a matter of fact. If I asked, if you asked my guys what I'm doing these days on detection work, one of the, they would probably tell you, well, mostly what we're doing is, is um, like huge amounts of cars with one hide. So today was, uh, I had the highway patrol guys out and I did a thousand, a thousand gram hide of, Cocaine, which is a decent amount, but there was 50, 54 cars, one hide, and it was 90 degrees. So everybody knows <laughs> lately that's been my thing is tons and tons and tons of blanks. So if I was to ask your guys, uh, what's your thing right now? What, what would they tell me? Uh, they probably tell you my thing right now is probably like 
light sockets or hidden spaces in the wall. I've known to, you know, climb up, climb up a wall and drop something down from the ceiling into the wall, um, do stuff under some carpet, um, some flooring and stuff like that. Um, we're doing a, a lot of finding a lot of stuff inside hidden wall compartments or safes inside houses. So, uh, there's nothing better than putting something in a light switch, it light switch in a blank room and having your handler just go in there and blow through the room and, you know, try to go walking out and the dog keeps jumping up and turning the light on and off. And the handler's just looking <laughs> at you like, what's, what's going on? And you're like, I don't know. You tell me, you know, but follow your dog. So, so I would probably say a lot of mine is hiding stuff in walls right now. Yeah. You um, are your guys pretty good about coming to you with uh, things they're seeing on the street and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. And a lot of that, um, a lot of the stuff, my guys will send me their deployments or actually make phone calls to me about different stuff they've seen. Um, I, I feel like I have a pretty good rapport with my guys when it comes to, uh, stuff they're seeing and how the dog is reacting to different things you know it might not be something they want to talk about in front of everybody and mm-hmm. and we talk about it and try to set up i mean you know you can't set up directly what the find was but we try to set up stuff something similar to what those guys had if they had a problem you know uh reading something i had a, a young guy have a problem reading something in a ceiling and the dog was prancing around basically in the middle of the room, but he just, he couldn't read it and made me realize that maybe I hadn't been doing enough high fines for him being a younger officer to see that. So, uh, so I pulled him aside, did that with him and a couple other guys and then threw it into group training too. So, so yeah, they, they do come and talk to me. I try to, I try to reach out to a lot of people to see what they're, they're getting on the street. And that's why I enjoy working my own dog to also know what, what we're getting on the street when I get out there and work. Cause you know, a lot of times people say, hey, why don't you just stay a trainer and not have a dog? And I'm like, uh, no, I'll go back to being a regular handler if that's the case because i got to have my dog to relieve my own stress and I want to know what's going on out there in the street along with my guys. So, Have they threatened you with that? Not threatened you, but that's been mentioned to you? It has been mentioned. It has been, it's been discussed. Um, there for a while I was doing both. I worked with a, a, a squad that was very busy. And also was setting up training, so I had a very, very busy schedule, and it was probably wearing on both sides. So, um, so they pulled me over to basically do mostly training, and I said, "Hey, I don't mind doing the training, but I still want Car Blanche to be going to work on a dog, and that's where my enjoyment comes." And uh, so that's what I I get to do. So I do. I'm not gonna say I get to pick and choose what I want to do, but I do have some say in that. So. Uh, but I still I still enjoy going out there with the guys and watching the squads hit a house and going in there and, and finding the stuff when it's pretty well hidden and seeing my dog work. Still, that's still on the best enjoyment. So speaking of being the trainer, like you guys buy, like you said, you're going to be, you started a new green dog. <clears throat> and so what do you guys do for imprinting and then finishing up before you go through um, – Whatever. What kind of certifications do you get? Well, actually, we'll talk about the interpreting first, and then we'll talk about the certifications after. Okay. Well, we most of our dogs come somewhat pretty much already imprinted. Um, we can buy dogs directly out of a box room where it's been imprinted. I had much after that, and then we bring it here, and we just do most of the imprinting ourselves, whether we got to go back to the boxes and then move to the rooms from that. Um, 
uh, most of our green handler classes and even our, our older guys that have handled one or two dogs still make them go through a six week school. Um, after that, um, if they're green handlers, um, I shadow them, go out, assign them to their squads. And then I shadow behind them to make sure they're not running into any problems out on the streets, um, that they have to face by themselves and not have someone there to help direct them. So, um, we do that most, like I said, it's usually a six week to eight week period in there, um, can sometimes be longer than that, depending if we run into any problems. Um, I'm big on big environmental stuff, especially when I test dogs. Um, I just, I don't believe in buying a dog that has an environmental problem because those things are just a pain in the butt to work out. Oh, oh God, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Eric and I have talked about that before. And we had Subtle on, and I think Ritland too. I mean, that was kind of one of our, our all of our pet peeves is the dog has to have great environmentals. Because, yeah. and, and my... My issue too is that typically when I test a dog and I do something, and I'm talking about dual purpose here, but typically when I do something that should be fairly innocuous, like you know feeding them a grip on a back tie on a bicep, and you reach down and touch their collar, and they get wonky, I generally tell Scott, I'm like, I'm ten bucks says we'll find something else with this dog that he doesn't like floors, he doesn't like stairs, he doesn't like dark rooms, noises. There's something else that's gonna bug him because if all I did was just touch him and he gets tweaked, then generally I, I'm like, we got something else. So yeah, <laughs> I yeah. want to find oh, out I, the hard way. <laughs> yeah, I did that. My that the first dog, troll dog I had had a problem with slit floors and he had a problem in in small confined areas and it was. It was a pain in the butt to have to work mm-hmm. through. And, you know, and my thing now is with, with my single-purpose narc dogs, if they'll do anything for a tennis ball, then I'm good with that. So, you know, it's, I, I I test dogs. Usually when I buy them, I'm testing dogs for a week. I'm not one to walk in, look at a dog, and say, okay, that's the dog I want. I, You know, I've had vendors tell me, hey, uh, until you buy a dog, you can't handle it. I'm like, well, if I can't handle it before I leave your property, I ain't buying it. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. I got to make sure the dog's going to perform for me and and can go up a set of stairs without coming out of a collar and running through the the lot and stuff like that. So, it's surprising sometimes to see to see that and to see people buy stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so do you guys on your crew? Are you doing mostly house sniffs? Or are you guys getting big? truckloads or just a little bit of everything because you know houston is we is a sore city yeah so. we get a little bit yeah we get a little bit of everything right well we're getting we're getting some pretty big car loads um of stuff um mostly heroin and meth um we are hitting some big houses um where we're seeing some big stuff i mean you know it is texas so we do have a lot of marijuana going through here but um we are hitting a lot of, of heroin and meth and but we have a lot of our different groups that do, you know, long-term investigations to our groups that do the short-term investigations, the hand-to-hand and hit the house and stuff like that. So, so we get a variety of stuff. We do a lot of stuff at the airports. We have tons of stuff at the airports and our bus stations where we're knocking off suitcases full of stuff. So you're down. So once you guys get through, uh, like your patrol or not patrol, your uh, handler course with these guys. So did they ever pass that law in Texas, or what's the state certification standards like down there? I don't remember off the top of my uh, head. Yeah, we don't. Uh, we don't have to have a certification. We do. We right. carry an NNDDA certification for us. 
Okay. Yeah, because um, I remember I get you guys a, had that deal in 2015 or something when they were going to pass it, and then they tape. I don't remember exactly what happened because we had some dogs yeah. in there at the time, and they were all freaked out about it. I'm like, it's not that big of a deal, fellas. But yeah, so, and, and that, I believe that it should be a standard, but you know, I do believe a well-trained dog is fine, but I do believe there should be some testing going on, and. Uh, so we do an NNDDA test, and what we do is get a certifier from the outside agency. We don't use our own agency people. We get an outside agency to come and do our certification for us. So everybody so, uh, listening, so you hear that? Everybody listening, you hear that? They do blind finds, and they vary the amount, and they have an outside agency with a national certification body do it for them. I mean, I'm just making yeah. a point. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's pretty, yeah, that's pretty. And we do that. We and we do our own in-house testing too. Like we'll, you know, we certify every year, and every three to six months, I'll throw some sort of test in on them. And so we do our own in-house testing to make sure. Like I said, if I have a dog that's having a problem three weeks in a row during training, whether it be a falsing problem or you know walk and dope problem, they get yanked. They get pulled off the street, and we do some remedial training, usually three days to a week, until that dog's up to where it needs to be, and and put on that street and I, I feel it's you know unsafe to put a, a dog that's walking stuff out there so so we stay pretty tight on our guys they know if they're having a problem if they don't come to me first they know i'm going to come tapping on their shoulder and they're going to spend some more time with me do you have um i'm pretty good about again the guy's got to tell you what's going on but i'm pretty good of knowing each dog Pretty intimately, you know. I mean, is, are you real good at that, or is little you know every little quirk and nuance of each one of the dogs? Oh yeah, and it and it sometimes the, the funny part about that, Eric, is they the handlers hate that, and yeah. and you know whether it's the fact that I went and bought the dog, so I bonded with the dog first, you know, or they they see me as the dope lady, and they know, hey, I've seen her, we're gonna have fun, I'm gonna find something, I'm gonna play ball, but they all love me more than their handlers. And it's like a big joke that, Hey, just come take my dog. Cause I know you're going to go do something with my dog. And even though it's my dog, if you come out, my dog changes. So, but I, I know there's little quirks. I know, you know, different things to read on some of their dogs. And some of them are looking at, you know, the breathing of the dog. And they're like, I didn't catch the breathing change. Like, well, there was no breathing change, but you couldn't catch the head turn, you know, around the sofa. So, <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm like, okay, well, you're just listening for the breathing. They're using your eyes to watch the dog. So so I do enjoy that. I do like to play around with that with a little bit that, you know, a lot of the dogs come up to me and know they're going to have fun and and do stuff like that. And so I, I do, I get my, I get my jabs in my guys that way. I have uh, one guy that was, we were at auditorium and we were off leash and his dog tied up two and a half years old and he's just running them up through the auditorium, not paying any attention. The handler's trying to call him and he ain't coming back. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. And I had a couple people in there watching. So I went down there, started clapping my hands. He came right to me and I directed him down each aisle and his handler just stood there and said, really, you're going to do this to me. I said, yeah, mm-hmm. somebody I had to step in at some point. So yeah, I so just I tell just, the handlers like that the dog I, hates I, them. <laughs> That's, what I, said. That's I go, what I say. I I'm like, next week. That's what I always tell them. I was like, when I was training him, I didn't have a problem. It must be you. <laughs> yeah. That's what I said. Next week, I guess you guys better sit on that back porch and do some bonding because obviously there's an issue going on here. So, yeah, so yeah that's, that's always fun to get that in. So, 
and I, I can't remember if we talked about this before, but um, who's your favorite? You got to have one. My <laughs> my favorite, and my guys all know, my favorite is um, Aris. He's a at, at, right now he's a four year old German Shepherd who weighs about seventy pounds. And to look at the dog, you would think he should have been a bite dog, but he doesn't have a mean bone in his body. He thinks he's like twenty pounds, and he's probably one of my funnest dogs to work. Uh, I brought him home, brought him back to Houston. He was a year old the day I brought him back. Probably the youngest dog I've brought back. And he, the nose on this dog is just unbelievable. His changes of behavior are so easy to read. And he's just, he's just fun. He's just full of energy and just fun to watch. So people always joke around. They're like, well, yeah, but that might be your favorite dog, but it's not your favorite handler. So they, people would joke about that. But yeah, mm-hmm. RS is probably my but yeah, you know, this little dog that I just brought home and started this week, he uh he's about forty pounds, but he thinks he's a big lion. So he's he's gonna be a really big joy to work too, so so it's fun to get those little young pups out there and start working them. Yeah, yeah, that's uh so the the outside agencies that come train with you, uh does Houston PD charge them? No, I do all my training for free. Yeah, we're the same way. So, a lot of folks don't don't realize that. Um, well, the agencies do, but uh, a lot of places wouldn't have drug programs or dog programs if it wasn't for the help of, you know, agencies and trainers that do it all for free. And do um, you, you find that they uh, kind of take take that for granted, or are they pretty appreciative of that? Most most agencies of mine are very appreciative of it. I have I have a few agencies that might not be that you know show up every once in a while. I'm thinking maybe they had a problem or something that decided to show up, or they got to put something in a training record. But um, most of my agencies, they're pretty appreciative. They're very helpful. A lot of my agencies provide a lot of training locations for me, so um, I get that benefit out of it. And uh, you know, I've always believed I've coming through the years of working dogs where you're going to group training and everyone thinks they're a trainer. And that to me, a uh, uh, very sad thing because just cause you can put out dope doesn't mean you can correct problems in dogs and properly train them. So I, I have a lot of smaller agencies that don't have the knowledge and they just, they're sending the, the first year guy out with his dog thinking he should know how to do his own hides and all that stuff. And I just, that, it just makes me sad to see that. So I just got to grab that guy and be like, Hey, just come out with us and you know, we'll make things work. So, yeah, right. we, we see that a lot. I mean, we're a private, uh, company. I mean, you know, Torchlight is just private and, um, Scott's former law enforcement, but we're the only private company or private institution or private, whatever in the state here that, uh, has our curriculum accredited by the state, law enforcement like governing body so we have so every time my guys show up on tuesday nights to train they all get hours for training which all of their admins love so the canine guys always have like a bazillion hours at the end of the year but you're 100 percent right i have some other training groups that are kind of close and it's guys that are you know they've been a handler for a couple of years and all of a sudden now they're working on a master trainer certification status and i'm like oh god that's uh, so like kind of like roll yeah. my eye and i'm like really dude and on top of that one of them is a certifier for the state which is even uh, it's even worse because uh you know he likes to fuck with people and you know if the if the find is 
where the dog can't get to it, right? So, you know, it's up high or it's way deep in an engine compartment and the dog alerts where he picks up odor, right? Like, I mean, they're like, oh, he's got to get closer. And you're like, what the fuck, man? It's like on the transmission. <laughs> like, I mean, he can't. It's a 130-pound German Shepherd. He can't crawl under the truck. I mean, or, you know, and so he gives people shit and they're like, oh, that's not a good alert. And I'm like, fuck, it's not. So what I've started doing, if I know that I have to send that guy one hit someone to him i'm like make sure you can articulate where you think it's at and say that he can't get close to it this is as close as he's going to get but you know i i completely i completely understand what you're saying yeah that's my thing my my whole thing is in training your dogs going as close to source as possible and you know that's the way i believe and and especially in this industry you have a lot of people that think they come up with stuff and they want to keep it to themselves and they don't want to share and I was helping a guy with a problem just a few months ago without the dog and I'm big at doing the, the two toy, you know, two tennis balls. You have the one tennis ball, you get the other tennis ball. And I'm doing this with this guy and another guy from another agency. He's like, I can't believe you're sharing that with somebody. I'm like, oh, yeah, I, sharing? I, mean, I didn't, yeah. I didn't invent it. That's not the Christian theory. I'm like, I'm pretty sure every, a lot of people <laughs> do that. So, so yeah. So I, I'm just big at sharing and getting knowledge out there and making people as smart as they can be when they're out there working. So yeah, I'm not one that likes to say, Oh, I'm the trainer and I'm not going to share my knowledge. And usually when I do something, everything's explained. I make sure my guys understand it. And, you know, we keep a lot of notes on a lot of stuff and, and it seems to go pretty well, but that's how I am. I'm just all about, you know, everybody should get along and share that wealth of knowledge and it would just make everything a lot simpler. Speaking of sharing, uh, we're going to take a break real quick, and we're going to talk about some of the people who keep this thing, keep the keep the lights on on this deal. So we'll be back in just a couple seconds. Okay. Let's take a second and talk about Dogtra. Astute trainers with proper training tools are the key to unleashing any dog's potential. For over 30 years, Dogtra has collaborated with industry professionals to create class-leading tools in e-collar training, GPS tracking, and boss training to support dog owners in developing top-notch dogs. One of the ways they do that is superior technology, ergonomics, design, and durability. They have gradual and precise stimulation control via their patented 127-level rheostat dial, so you have a minimal jump in stimulations They have trusted durability and reliability. I use them every day at the kennel and have for years. Works all the time, every time. Weatherproof, waterproof, and pretty much idiot-proof. They're, speaking of which, is intuitive and innovative. There's no fuss, no hassle. When you hear Eric talking about making sure the handlers know exactly where the remote is and it's a no-look use, this is exactly what he's talking about. Hit him up at doctor.com. Let me hop in here and talk about our one of our sponsors for the podcast, Southern Coast Canine, based out in New Smyrna, Florida. Southern Coast Canine has been providing better training, better results, and better dogs for over 25 years. Led by Bill Heiser and known for their excellent high-drive dual-purpose and detection dogs and outstanding customer service. They have what you want and what you are looking for. Call 1-877-903-DOGS. That's 877-903-3647 and speak with Bill and to discuss your canine needs today. Or visit southerncoastcanine.com. That's the letter K, the number nine. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Southern Coast Canine, the letter K, the number nine. Tripwire Operations Group. We're first responders dedicated to first responders. We believe the most highly trained create a safer America. 
We prepare military and first responders to protect our country by providing products, training, services, and relationships that together no one else provides. Tripwire provides virtually every type of explosive product currently manufactured. We also produce our very own binary explosive, TexPack. Tripwire provides military and law enforcement training, consulting, canine advanced training, and firearm sales and training. Folks, Ryan and the boys over at Tripwire are true badasses in the industry. Go check them out at www.tripwireops.org. That's tripwireops.org. All right, we're back with Kristen Nolan from Houston PD K9. Uh, we've been talking about imprinting, young dogs, messing with handlers, certifications, and uh, other general stuff and handling. Um, now, seeing as this is the last episode of the month for the women of K9, I kind of want you to talk a little bit about, um, you know, how you got it. I mean, we you already talked about how you got into it, but some of the challenges that you kind of overcame you know, when you had your first bite dog and, you know, if there's a notable story about, you know, a bite that he had or an apprehension he had or a fine that he had or whatever it is. And then I kind of want you to talk about um, some advice you would give females that are in law enforcement that or even that are not in law enforcement that are in that are in first responders. So even on the search and rescue side that want to get into canine, what they should be doing. Um. My big thing is I, I grew up, I have two older brothers and a younger sister. So anything my brothers did, I did. So I was used to being, I guess, the Tom girl. But at the same time, I love to paint my nails, do my hair, wear my dress, go out, have fun. So when I'm out there working a dog, I get just as dirty. You know, I take just as much as any guy does. Um, I learned pretty early in my career working my patrol dog. Um, I had a, a trainer come to me and say, look, Kristen, you're – you're not going to be, you're not going to be able to lift this 200 pound dog and helicopter it around. You're just not built that way. So you need to work smarter and taught me different ways to control the dog, whether it was with my voice or with commands or with my body. And, and I learned a lot that way. So uh, my thing is with, you know, being a female going into law enforcement anyways is a more male dominant profession. So just to be in there. If it's something you want to do, just you just strive to do it. I mean, you're going to catch flack here and there. I, I knew a lot of the guys in my detail going in, but yeah, I, I will say I think there was some stuff to you're being the first female over here, and we got to make sure you're gonna you're gonna play well with the guys. And I did everything as far as wearing the bite suit, catching guys, laying traps, and doing all that stuff. Um, like I said, my I had a, I had a really big German Shepherd. Um, probably one of my most memorable moments is, um, an escape, um, an escapee out of the jail, um, ran into a, a parking garage and my units had everything blocked down. But of course, like most patrol officers, they're walking up and down the parking garage and they're guaranteed that this guy's between the third floor and the sixth floor. And, and they're just walking around, walking around. And I went in there with my dog, made it not even to the second floor and my dog dives under a car and there's probably about four or five patrol officers standing there and dogs under the car. And all of a sudden I hear them screaming and the dog pulls the guy out and they're like, Oh my God, he's been here the whole time. I'm like, yeah. And, uh, I thought I got a pretty decent vital on the guy on the shoulder and, uh, ended up calling the ambulance for medical treatment. Well, they ended up turning on the sirens and off to the hospital. I'm like, what, what's going on? I mean, that's just a, 
just saw some, you know, teeth marks in his shoulder. So I get down to the hospital and find out that the way the dog, the way the dog bit him was basically under the armpit and basically ripped his armpit off. And so they were doing some medical treatment on him. Dude, and those hurt so funniest- bad. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was pretty cool looking though, you know. So of was, course. <laughs> but the guy was laughing, and of course he's all medicated up. And mm-hmm. I walk in, and the doctors are laughing, and he tells me, "Hey, I was laying there for about forty five minutes, and there were officers walking by me left and right, and no one saw me. And the next thing I know, you know, I have this dog a hold of me, and he told me, "Hey, you you got a badass dog. I'm I'm never getting bit by a dog again." So. So I, that was probably one of my most memorable moments. Nothing like, you know, walking in there when all these patrol officers are walking around and thinking they know where someone is and then don't realize they're standing less than two feet away from the guy. So that, that was probably my most enjoyable, one of my most enjoyable captures. So uh, That's good. But um, Yeah, I like as a female going in, I mean, my thing is just to be yourself, do, do what you can, you know, don't try to feel like you have to be a guy in this role. Just go in there and, and be yourself and, and learn everything you can from the green handler to the 30 year veteran. Everybody has something to offer. Don't ever just exclude yourself to listen to one, one person. Just listen to everybody. How many female handlers are there now? Um, in Houston, um, there's me, I have another female that works with me, that works for me, and then we have two female bomb handlers that work in our airports, but we still have no more females. I've been the only female in the 24 years I've been on here, and the first female over in Patrol Canine, they haven't had a female over there again yet, so Is it for I do know of- that they are trying to reach out to the female females to get them over there, and there just hasn't been anyone that has interviewed or come up to the ranks wanting to do that. So, so are you like a mini celebrity amongst the new or like when the new females come in or they're like, Oh, that's that uh, badass dog lady that the trainer. <laughs> I wouldn't say I was the badass dog lady, but I am. The, oh, you're that female canine handler. And, and that, and that's fun. And I enjoy it until, you know, maybe there's some complaint dropping and I'm like, Hey, Sarge, that wasn't me. And, so really, because they said it's the female with the ponytail, so I'm thinking it's probably going to be you. I'm like, oh, okay, well, can't hide myself there. So, <laughs> but yeah, and you know, they joke around with like going out on warrants and they're doing tactical plans, and and happy people sometimes don't know my name. A lot of these new guys don't know my name, so they're putting my dog's name up, or they're putting you know my dog's name Cedar, and they're putting Cedar's driver up there, and I'm like, you know, I have a name. And they're like, oh yeah, you're that the, the dog lady, right? Yeah, okay. I'm not going to lie. I do that when I have a lot of handlers here that are new. I'm like, yeah, whatever your dog's name is, go get him. And I'm like, handler, dog's name, handler, go get him. And they look at me, and Scott will be like, his name is whatever. I'm like, yeah, I'll forget. I know the dog's name, though, because I've spent the last 16 weeks with the dog. So I do that on purpose to let the handlers know how insignificant they are. Oh, yeah. Let's say if your dog could drive the car, you probably are needed out there. So, so yeah. That's pretty great. But yeah, I would say that's how people know me as the female, the female canine lady. So, is there any uh, dual purpose female handlers? Uh, no, there's no dual purpose female handlers. I have a female handler that handles a narcotics dog, and then I have two females over my bomb side handling single purpose bomb dogs at the airport. We just did uh, a female, or I mean, a, one of my handlers, one of my newer handlers, is a female in a city in Arkansas, and she has a 
badass Malinois and um, big, big, powerful dog. <laughs> and when I got him, you know, I'm used to Dutch or German or insults and threats of violence to control these dogs. And this dog had been started in French. And I, when we got him, I was like, oh, God. And Scott had a brain fart. I mean, he's an old grumpy, salty Green Beret. So he's like, I don't know what the fuck I'm You know, so he's complaining about having to learn French. So I'm telling this dog to down and out and everything else in French. And the, and the handler gets him. And she didn't know any better. Like, she's never handled a dog. So she just, you know, picked it up perfectly. But listening to her and watching her handle this giant dog, and because, you know, she's not small, but, you know, I mean, she's definitely, I mean, the dog is big. But listening to her, like, crochet, OPA, and I'm like, yeah. And (laughs) it's so funny because she went back to Arkansas and rocked her state certification. And even the certifiers were like damn <laughs> that's a nice dog We're, you know that's a good handler what's going on but uh it's always funny because he's the only one i've ever done that's been in french and that's what he was started in so i didn't change it but i kind of thought i was like uh, and she was the first female handler i'd ever trained so i was like oh this is a this is a perfect match but it's uh she's she's turned out she's turned out to be a really good handler and they make a great team i mean they just caught i don't know like six pounds of coke or something like and it wasn't and it wasn't like a, it wasn't a whisper stop. I mean, it was just some dude acting like a weirdo. And so, yeah, but no, I always like it when we have like female handlers that are, um, you know, that kind of assert themselves and because she, she walked up and I mean, she took control of him almost from day one. So, I mean, I'm super proud of her for sure. Oh, that's good. That is good. Yeah, I, wanna, I mean, I, wanna... I believe you have to have some sort of an attitude going into it because if you don't have the attitude, you're gonna just have the guys and the dogs walk all over you. So you have to, you have to have an attitude to to do this job. That's for sure. Oh yeah, I mean, it, it can be a minefield. Um, you are what you rank of patrolman, or are you corporal, or what are you? Yeah, I'm a I'm a senior, which would be a corporal. I'm a senior police officer, basically. I never promoted um, here. You have to test, and I've just always had good jobs, and you have to leave the good job to promote, and I just – it wasn't worth it to me. So I, I stayed a senior police officer my whole entire career. So, If I had a ponytail, you and I would be the same person, I think. Like, <laughs> it's exactly the same. I'm, a, I'm just – I have no desire to be promoted, but I'm a patrolman kind of in a supervisory-type role, and – you know, it can be a minefield to run through, and but uh, it definitely has its reward. The other thing I want to yeah, mention, we have like a lot of people that go back and they're like, they'll go to the sergeant. I I train the sergeant. We're actually really good friends, and they'll go back. Hey, Sarge, and he's like, hey, I might be the supervisor, but we know she's the boss, so I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not crossing that line. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. You know, I had some people unrelated to what we're talking about telling me that it seems like uh, all I do on these podcasts is. Uh, sit around and drink beer or have a, have a cocktail during this podcast. So everyone knows I'm actually feeding dogs and cleaning piss. So while we're talking, I'm still working. Um, so those of you who think all I do is chink ice cubes and drink beer, you're not way off. It's not too far off, but uh, you guys couldn't even hear me cleaning a big, huge pile of pee just a little bit ago. So. That was pretty awesome. That was a new. That was a new first for the podcast. <laughs> I'm just sitting here <laughs> drinking beer, so yeah, I mean, yeah. that's what I'm doing. I wish I was drinking beer right now. 
No, I've been outside all freaking day, sweating my ass off, and uh, it's so hot. So I'm like, mm, I'm sitting in the air conditioning. I'm not. No, I'm good. I'm all right. Yeah. I'll be all right. I gotta go back out tomorrow, so it'll be fine. <laughs> so you know what I I wanted to ask, uh, Chris? How long have you been there at the police department? Twenty four years. Twenty four years. So, um, I always want to. Ask, I I don't know anyone at Houston PD, so I I take the opportunity. How did Houston change, and has it permanently changed after Katrina? Because I know you guys oh. got the huge influx of some dangerous people. Yeah, yeah, we were we were very busy at that time, and we and we still are. A lot of people from Katrina stayed. Um, I think you know um, we were very welcoming, but at the same time, I think as a department, um, we don't take any crap. So, so you're, we're not going to play the games that you probably got away with at another time. But um, we had a lot of people come in. We had a lot of stuff going on. Um, we stayed very busy, and it probably you know helped us to grow our force even stronger and and bigger than it was at that time. So um, hurricanes and tropical storms here in Houston are are not a fun thing. You might get officers that tell you the only good thing about a, a storm here in Houston is the overtime, but we all know how police officers are. They they're good with overtime for about two or three days, and then it's like, what? We got to work another day of overtime. So um, uh, between the Katrina stuff that went on, and after being hit by Harvey here uh, last <laughs> August, it's um, it's it's kind of been a whirlwind. We actually were very us as a narcotics detail were very busy uh, during Harvey working our dogs. It was very, um, we were very active in different parts of the city that didn't get hit. And it, so it was kind of, it was kind of strange to see the city under that much water. Yeah. The, was it opportunistic people? Is that why it got so much busier? They're thinking you're all occupied on the other side. Yeah. They're all thinking, um, we don't have anything else to do because nobody was really, um, had to go to jobs at that time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, out probably drinking having fun and um had to get their fixes here and there so um at that time it was very hard to even get around the city so um they just figured they could do whatever they want what they didn't realize is there was still a lot more of us and we were all sections in different parts of the city that we could get to and and we stayed pretty busy and you know they thought well hey i'm not going to jail because we're in the middle of a you know enormous flood and little did they know yeah you're you're still going to jail for that um even though it might take two days to get you there you're still mm -hmm. going so so we're uh yeah so it was a it was very a very different different lifestyle to see everything that went through but it was actually you know nice to see the community come together and everybody helping each other and um surviving that i mean we had uh we were on 24-hour shifts for about three, three to four weeks during Harvey. So it was uh, a Jeez. lot of our guys like, hey, we we taking our dogs in. We're not taking our dogs in. I'm like, hey, you're, you're not leaving your dog at home. If your house gets flooded, your dog gets flooded. So bring your dog in and make sure you have your dog food with you because we ain't going home. And uh, so just besides taking care of ourselves was taking care of our dogs and uh, stuff like that. So that became a, a pretty good challenge. But it also – on the other side of the community, it helped having our dogs out there. Um, you know, people love animals. So that 
just having them out there demoing and doing different things. People enjoyed seeing the dogs as they were coming off the rescue boats and stuff like that. So, so that was very gratifying also. Yeah, that's uh, something up here in Ohio we will never have to deal with. I know where Ted's at, they've got some, you know, tornado stuff. We just, uh, we just, we just have Ohio. <laughs> we just, we just have heroin junkies. And, yeah, uh, you guys got heroin and snow. Yeah, heroin and snow. <laughs> you can keep that. Well, you know, <laughs> anytime you guys come to Houston, come to Houston to pick your dogs up, you know, if you want to do it during a hurricane, you're more than welcome to come down, you know, help us out. Yeah, we, I'm good, that dog, though. That dog we just got shipped in, they were like, oh, we can ship it to Houston. And Scott was like, fuck that. So he paid an extra couple hundred dollars and had it flown to Dallas, which, I mean, is still four hours, but it's not nine or whatever it is to Houston. But Yeah, yeah I still don't fathom that. <laughs> so 24 years, I'm in my 23rd, and um, I talked about this with, with Susan from Dallas PD. All we talk about when you get to this age is retirement. Are you, do you have a light at the end of the tunnel? Or are you going to work another dog? What are you thinking? Your guys are going to um, listen to this at the edge of their seat. The guys behind <laughs> you going, ah, oh, 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 shit. <laughs> she really staying or is she going? Yeah. I, I'm getting asked that a lot around here. Um, mm. I still enjoy what I do. I love putting bad guys in jail and I love, training the dogs in the police world. Um, I'm not going to say the outside civilian world isn't of interest to me with job offers, but um, I still enjoy what I'm doing here. So, um, so I haven't made kind of made that determination yet. I mean, I still, you know, um, my dog is going to be up for retirement. She's 13. So I know that that's coming. And so, um, I think people are pushing to, hey, replace that dog because they know once I put my hands on a new dog, I'm probably staying for the life of that dog. So, um, so yeah, that's just things I'm playing around with and what I want to do. But I do love, I love this police department. I, I love working, working a police dog and putting bad guys in jail. Yeah, so 13 that, years old dog is, hard. that's, you know, all, all the, the four dogs I worked were all dual purpose dogs and we're really hard on them here. And, uh, to, it's hard to fathom working a dog that you know 13 years old but um i see that a, a lot and uh hell if you keep working you know keep yeah. keep that yeah i mean my belief is you know you yeah as long as the dogs are working dogs are healthy the dogs stay on the street i mean um she's just now starting to show her age but um she was only out a few weeks ago you know jumping through a car window on a traffic stop so um, so she's, she's still hanging in there, but yeah, you know, the age is up there where I'm not running and gunning like I used to. So that does take a little, little help with keeping her around. So, um, you know, if I was inside into a general enforcement group and knocking down houses every day, then yeah, that she'd probably be replaced a little bit quicker than she's being right now. Yeah. Well, so, but I, my thought is if I stick around, I want a floppy eared dog. I want a little like little Springer Spaniel I can put in a backpack, you know, walk around the city of Houston. So, you know, I like it. I have yeah. some thoughts of what I might do. <laughs> you can put on your, uh, your dress, go line dancing with your dog in a backpack. And... <laughs> I like your thinking, Eric. That's good. I like that. <laughs> right. Right. People are like that's uh, I wouldn't expect that. So <laughs> you should be, you should be proud. Um, you know, you, when we, when we, threw this out about doing the lazy canine 
hey, give us some names. <clears throat> Excuse me. It was your guys that suggested you do this interview. A couple of them actually hit us up more than once, several times. Hey, why don't you have her on? Why don't you have her on? Why don't you have her on? Because uh, um, they, they obviously have a lot of respect for you. Um, there's probably times that, uh, you know, like me, I know my guys get definitely get here tired of hearing me talk. But I think in the, in the overall scheme of things, they're appreciative. And your guys definitely were enough to uh, to recommend you for this interview, and I and I for one really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. I yeah, I, I sure. love my guys. Yeah. I know they work hard. Yep. All right. Well, this is wrapping up the first month of Ladies of Canine. We're going to try to do this again. Um, I don't know when. We'll talk about it uh, whenever Alicia tells us what we're doing. <laughs> Is how it's <laughs> hurting cats. Yeah, she's like, jeez, yeah. So uh, Ted, Ted and I will have some. Ted and I will have some exciting news for everybody pretty soon. We're gonna we're gonna um, go to an undisclosed location here on, in a couple weeks and record yeah. a, on another podcast. Um, we've been yeah. asked to come on, and uh, it's a pretty well known one, so we're pretty excited. I have a ton of undercover hooker stories you know and i, I got a lot of oh, weird me. shit so, like, <laughs> i can tell where this is going oh god yeah we're just going to be eating meat and drinking whiskey while we do this so i don't know like yeah i have i oh, have man. a lot of i've had a pretty interesting career and an interesting life and with monkeys and and uh you know hookers right, and you girls. had a pet monkey i did have a pet monkey and it tried to bite you whenever it turned the lights on. I forgot about that. Oh, I have a, I have a story I'll say for the podcast about a guy with no shirt, tight shorts, a monkey in a park soliciting me. It's a good story. Uh, I'll get it. I'll save that for that one. Holy shit. Yeah. You, people listen to it going, no way. I'm telling you. I have witnesses. So, so um, Kristen, where can we find? Or, well, if you want to be found on any sort of social media platforms, uh, where can we find you? If not, let's have Dustin cut this part out. Um, I'm on Facebook at K Um I don't have a Twitter account right now, so um, that's pretty about about the only way to find me. Does Houston PD Canine have at, a, uh, Does the Canine Unit yeah, have their own Facebook page? No, not right now. We don't. There's some. Uh, stuff going on with that so we do have a houston police facebook page okay. but it's not um not a canine one gotcha. well everybody should go to the houston canine or facebook page then and just do that so <laughs> <laughs> and uh you can find me at god like four different ones so the working dog radio one uh working underscore dog underscore radio uh my personal one ten underscore summers and then uh torchlight canine and eric you can find on instagram at van ass canine Yep, uh, or at the yeah. bar. Yeah, well, it's like at, so like the symbol at and then the bar, I guess, right? No, right. somebody's going to do that. I wonder who has that. Right, anyway. in the park with a monkey. So. <laughs> oh, God. Right on. <laughs> Kristen, this has been good. Um, I appreciate it. I think it's a fitting way to round out the series, so um, we appreciate it. No, I do. I appreciate you guys, and I enjoy listening to your podcasts and it's been a lot of fun, and I was glad I could be on it. And I hope to get to meet you guys. I'll I'll be at Hits this year, so oh yeah, we'll uh, be I'll there. run into you guys. Oh yeah, we'll be. <laughs> Maybe there I'll buy sure. you a drink at the bar, you know, with yeah. your mom. Yes, Hits <laughs> is coming up soon, man. That's coming up real quick. Yeah, yeah. we're going to be doing some live stuff from there. So everybody listening, by the time you hear this, uh, yeah, it'll be right 
uh, this will air two weeks before we go to hits and we're going to be doing some live video stuff from uh hits so be listening oh. towards the middle well i guess in the middle of the month you won't hear it but then but just be paying attention so yeah okay. i gotta put in comp time <laughs> 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 all right we'll see i'm you guys. going on Thank city you. business i'm good uh, all right you. See you guys. <laughs> thank you thanks Bye. guys Bye. big thanks to arno at alm almk9equipment.com. That's the letter K, the number nine. Hit Arno up at A-R-N-O at almsuit.com. First-time visitors to a site, use discount code WDRADIO to receive 10% off your new tug or suit. Working Dog Radio is edited and co-produced by Dustin Wright at Bracket Designs. Be sure to hit him up at bracketdesigns.com for any branding or content-related work you have. We were graciously granted permission to use this rad music by Brother Deeg. Go buy him a beer at Brother Deeg, spelled D-E-G-E dot blogspot dot com, spelled D-E-G-E, or hit him up on iTunes, Amazon, CD Baby, or any other music streaming stores. Check the show notes for links to both of these creative geniuses.